0: Good morning for Monday, June 19th, 2017. Audible presents the New York Times Audio Digest. Here's what's making news on the front page. Mexico's spyware targets government critics. President cedes Afghan strategy to the Pentagon. And Trump is not under investigation, his lawyer says. In today's national headlines, an Ohio town's immigration clash down in the actual muck. In Houston, Juneteenth site rises from the ruins, and high-stakes referendum on Trump emerges in Georgia. In today's business headlines, YouTube sets policies to restrict extremism, with Uber in turmoil. Huffington's influence grows, and breweries worry about Anheuser-Busch InBev's stake in Rate Beer site. There will be more business stories, more national and world news, a roundup from the sports page and New York Times columnist Paul Krugman. Now, as selected by the editors of the New York Times, here are the stories on today's front page. The top stories written from Mexico City by Azam Ahmed and Nicole Perlroth. Mexico spyware targets government critics. Mexico's most prominent human rights lawyers, journalists, and anti-corruption activists have been targeted by advanced spyware sold to the Mexican government on the condition that it be used only to investigate criminals and terrorists. The targets include lawyers looking into the mass disappearance of 43 students, a highly respected academic who helped write anti-corruption legislation, two of Mexico's most influential journalists, and an American representing victims of sexual abuse by the police. The spying even swept up a teenage boy. Since 2011, at least three Mexican federal agencies have purchased about $80 million worth of spyware created by an Israeli cyber arms manufacturer. The software, known as Pegasus, infiltrates smartphones to monitor every detail of a person's cellular life, calls, texts, email, contacts, and calendars. It can even use the microphone and camera on phones for surveillance. The company that makes the software, the NSO Group, says it sells the tool exclusively to governments with an explicit agreement that it be used only to battle terrorists or the drug cartels and criminal groups that have long kidnapped and killed Mexicans. But according to dozens of messages examined by the New York Times and independent forensic analysts, the software has been used against some of the government's most outspoken critics and their families, in what many view as an unprecedented effort to thwart the fight against the corruption infecting Mexican society. We are the new enemies of the state, said Juan Pardinius, the general director of the Mexican Institute for Competitiveness, who has pushed anti-corruption legislation. Pardinius's iPhone, along with his wife's, was targeted by the software, according to an analysis. Ours is a society where democracy has been eroded, he said. The deployment of sophisticated cyber-weaponry against citizens is a snapshot of the struggle for Mexico itself, raising profound legal and ethical questions for a government already facing severe criticism for its human rights record. Under Mexican law, only a federal judge can authorize the surveillance of private communications, and only when officials can demonstrate a sound basis for the request. It is highly unlikely that the government received judicial approval to hack the phones, according to former Mexican intelligence officials. Instead, they said, illegal surveillance is standard practice. The Mexican government acknowledges gathering intelligence against legitimate suspects in accordance with the law. As in any democratic government, to combat crime and threats against national security, the Mexican government carries out intelligence operations, it said in a statement. But the government categorically denies that any of its members engage in surveillance or communications operations against defenders of human rights, journalists, anti-corruption activists, or any other person without prior judicial authorization. Next on the front page, President Seeds Afghan Strategy to the Pentagon. Reported from Washington by Mark Landler and Michael Gordon. When President Trump made his first major decision on the war in Afghanistan, he did not announce it in a nationally televised address from the White House or a speech at West Point. Instead, the Pentagon issued a news release late one afternoon last week confirming that the President had given the Defense Secretary, Jim Mattis, the authority to send several thousand additional troops to a war that, in its 16th year, engages about 8,800 American troops. Trump, who writes avidly on Twitter about war and peace in other parts of the world, said nothing about the announcement, but its effect was unmistakable. He had outsourced the decision on how to proceed militarily in Afghanistan to the Pentagon, a break with how former President Barack Obama and many of his predecessors handled the anguished task of sending Americans into foreign conflicts. The White House played down the Pentagon's vaguely worded statement, which referred only to setting troop levels as a stopgap measure, a tacit admission of the administration's internal conflicts over what to do about the deteriorating situation in Afghanistan. The decision could succeed in buying time for Trump and his advisers to fully deliberate over what to do in Afghanistan. But former commanders and military scholars said that in sending troops before having a strategy, Trump has put the cart before the horse eroded the tradition of civilization.